I smell like broccoli. You have no broccoli. <laughs> What's up, revelers and weirdos? We hope you've had a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year! Happy New Year! 2022, where hopefully things get better. Why did you say it like that? We've got a very big year planned. You mean busy year? It's yeah. a very busy year. New house. <laughs> Wedding. <laughs> Two very big milestones. Milestones. Yeah. We're not going to try for the hat trick, though. The hat trick? Anyway. <laughs> What's the hat trick? I don't know, you get broody sometimes. Oh, always. Anyway. <laughs> so, Sam. You are listening to Scaring Sam. Yes, and we are your hosts. <laughs> I'm Sam. And I'm James. And what is this film we are discussing today? We watched Scream. No, not the new Scream that's just coming out this this month. We did the 1996 version. Yes, and are we blatantly cashing in on the new film, Sam? I think Maybe, so. yes. So, what is going on in this film? Um, some mask killer is killing off teenagers in Woodsboro. That's it. Because obviously, this is 96. By that time, people have kind of got sick and tired of this very tired, worn-out genre. So. And yet people still go and watch it. Yes, because <laughs> Scream came along and injected new life into it. And I guess that has carried on momentum, what, over 25 years later. Wes Craven came back. He did the seminal Nightmare on Elm Street and then did a couple of questionable horror films. Actually did a postmodern Nightmare on Elm Street film two mm -hmm. years before this. Mm -hmm. Doesn't get as much mention for... Revitalising the horror genre in this new cynical postmodern 90s. But then Scream comes along with the writer, I guess, of Dawson's Creek. Now, what better way to start than the start of the film? <laughs> with Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, yes. At the time, Drew Barrymore was the biggest name on the cast list. Should mention, for a film more than 25 years old... There's going to be a lot of spoilers. Let's say that now, from the start. Spoilers. So, the start. Drew Barrymore's character, Cindy, is alone. She gets a phone call. Some creepy guy asking her what her favourite scary movie is. And it goes from bad to worse from there. Drew Barrymore. Biggest name on the cast. Face all plastered around the posters. And she's killed off in the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Okay, back then, this was shocking. Nobody was expecting that. People couldn't go online, they couldn't look up spoilers for a film, so seeing Drew Barrymore killed in the first act is a reminder to the audience that no character is safe for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. From the offset, what you notice is this killer is nastier than other masked serial killers in horror films because mm. most of them don't say a word. My first impression <laughs> of the killer and... And at that point, I thought it was just one killer. Generally thought they were dressed up like a ninja. Well, when you see him scurrying about in a background. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then obviously you see the mask, but... <laughs> anyway, rewind. Before you even see the killer, before you see Ghostface, you hear him. 
He's pretty nasty. He's tormenting Cindy, basically stringing up her boyfriend outside and she has to answer all these horror movie trivia. Who -hmm. was the killer in the first Friday the 13th? It was the mum. Yeah. You haven't seen it, Bob. We know these things. I have seen it. We saw the remake. But in the remake, did it... Yeah, they did the same it thing. It explained it, didn't the it? The remake, okay, basically... so maybe that's how I know. Yeah, the remake covers the first four films and puts them together. Right, okay. We've added breasts. The killer tortures Cindy's boyfriend, Steve, forcing her to play this horror trivia game. Of course, she gets the question wrong. Steve's killed. And then he hunts her all the way through the house, essentially forces her parents to hear her dying breaths on the other end of the phone. Yeah, that was a little bit OTT. That wasn't needed, was it? Well, you've got to capture the audience from the start. Mm. So what does Ghostface do? He strings up Cindy's body up on the tree and basically guts her. That is how you start a horror film. But who the hell decides to watch a scary movie and doesn't lock any of her doors? Seriously. <laughs> well, Cindy does. Yeah. <laughs> My first note on here... Why weren't the doors already locked? I can't wrap my head around it. If I was... Uh, no. They used to say, oh, you can leave your doors unlocked. This was a safe neighbourhood. This is the 90s. Pretty much straight afterwards, it's mentioned that Sydney's mum was raped and murdered just a year earlier. Yeah. So... Yeah, people would have their guards up, wouldn't they? And then, title card. Scream. Originally, it was going to be called Scary Movie. And yeah, because they keep saying that in there, don't they? And I'm like, was it actually meant to be called Scary Movie? I don't think Wes Craven liked the title change. I think it was forced upon him. Right. And now we're introduced to the main characters, Sidney Prescott. Another thing I can't overlook now, watching the film, is... Oh, let's make Sidney's dad a suspect. You know, as an audience, he's not going to be the killer. And if he is... The fact that they're constantly pointing him out as the number one suspect would be lazy. So already you're watching it thinking, well, clearly he's not the killer. Because you see him at the start of the film and you don't see him right until the end. Oh yeah, obviously there were some really bad slasher films in the 80s where this he would have been the killer. Like, uh, Christ, was it Friday the 13th, part 5? Oh, it was the ambulance driver all along. You only <laughs> saw him in one film scene prior. It wasn't a good sequel. It's the, right. it's the one Friday 13th where it isn't Jason Voorhees or his mum. Because he's dead at this time. And then he comes back to life and then you've got zombie Jason for the rest of the franchise. Zombie Jason. Okay. Yeah, one of the benefits after watching <laughs> a lot of really shit 80s slasher films is that you come to appreciate Scream a lot more. Mm-hmm. So you got... A killer who isn't the invincible, power-walking yeah, killer. Yeah. You've got someone who is... They're amateurs, aren't they? They're ba- they are basically bloodthirsty teenagers, essentially, mm-hmm. who yeah. haven't got any real concept of, I don't know, responsibility or um, consequences. And it's revealed that the costume is just a store-bought costume. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Which anyone can buy. Anyone can buy. Which we find out in the school because they all play pranks on each other. Oh yeah, what a great school. Two of their classmates are killed. People decide to dress up as the killer and run around the place. That's nice. Although, who would have known they were dressed like that? Except for the people who were killed. No one else saw them dressed as them. I thought the police found a mask or something. Uh, 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 
the pupils were running through the school after Sydney was attacked. So she obviously saw what the killer looked like. Yeah, but that was only a short amount of time after um, Cindy and Steve. Oh, yeah, Sydney, sorry. When after Sydney was attacked and survived, and then she saw what the killer was dressed as. It's really difficult. Sydney and Cindy. That's terrible. Yeah, she but what, I, what I'm saying is it's still not okay to do that. Oh, no, the bunch of arseholes. Who in their right mind would play a prank like that? And, of course, the principal is pissed. He threatens to expel, not only expel the pupils, but then suggests who's going to cut them up into pieces. And Yeah, him waving around those scissors, I was like, oh, it's not okay. Yeah, who is this for, exactly? What is this scene for? Is this trying to convince the audience that... The principal might be the killer. Yeah. All these little red herrings are trying to dot about a place, trying to deflect attention away from who the real killers are. They're trying to throw you off, yeah. But it's so on the nose when you have Randy having that massive meltdown in the um, video store. Mm. And he's going, you could be the killer, you could be the killer. And they're like, oh, you could be the killer because you're clearly obsessed with Sydney and you're into horror films. And it's like... Okay, yeah, so second you say that, they're clearly not the killer. So you might as well not have had that dialogue and at least allowed them to continue being suspects. I don't think I've ever found Ghostface scary, though. Maybe for the costume design. I never found the droopy eyes and the gaping mouth scary. There's a car down the road that has the mask on its spare seat, on the passenger seat. (laughs) When you're walking down the road and you see a random mask in a car... That's a little bit freaky. Well, up here, they someone's like put a panda mask on the seat right on where the headrest is. Mm. So when you walk past it in the morning, you're a bit dreary-eyed and you're going to work. You're like, what the fuck? And you're like, oh, right, yeah, pandas don't drive. It's okay. The problem is with all these red herrings and all these usual suspects is the obvious suspects are the actual killers. When um, Sydney is attacked for the first time, when she's home mm-hmm. alone... Who arrives straight away but her boyfriend Billy and he drops his, as they call them, cellular phones out of his pocket. Yeah. And he's pleading his innocence and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And clearly he's not the killer. It's too obvious. No, he's he's the killer. Well, that's that's what I was thinking. I, I was like, it's too obvious, but is he? When you watch it so many times, you start, you start trying to work out the timeline. Because, mm. spoilers, it's Sydney's... Boyfriend, Billy, and his best friend slash possible lover, Stu. There's a lot of debate whether or not those two were couples or Stu had feelings for Billy. Right. And Billy has, in his mind anyway, motivation for doing all this, where Stu excuses peer pressure. Yeah. But he's basically doing it for Billy, so there's all this speculation like, oh, were they secret lovers and all this? But getting to the point. Billy and Stu were the killers all along. Mm-hmm. Billy's motivation is his dad cheated on his mum with Sydney's mother, who's basically yeah. the town bike. And Sydney's mum was raped and killed by Billy and Stu a year earlier. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. So that's his motivation. And this is what I was trying to work out. Um, the reason why Sid... No, fuck's sake. Cindy. Cindy and Steve are killed at the start. Yeah, I was going to ask this. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Right, so... Because I never got it before, because I was never paying attention. This is the first time I was paying attention to this. Because mm-hmm. it never makes sense except for, oh, we've got to have a strong opening. We've got to kill the biggest star. Cindy... This is going to be so annoying. Cindy. Cindy was dating Stu, 
and she dumped Stu for Steve. Right. But Stu couldn't have been the killer because he is with Tatum. These are really weird names of characters, by the way. <laughs> Tatum being a girl. Mm-hmm. He was with Tatum the night they were murdered because obviously Billy killed them for him. And the second he killed those two, he went straight to Cindy's house the night her dad was leaving uh, as like an alibi. Sydney's. Yes, yeah, Sydney's. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, before or after killing them because it's the scene afterwards that Drew Barrymore's character is killed that you see he arrives at her window. And it's the yeah. first time he attempts to sleep with her, but she's not interested because, I guess, still traumatised by her mother's right. death the year before. Okay. So they just died because she dumped the other guy. Yeah. For Steve. After this, it gets a bit fuzzy who the killer was at each given time. Like, why did they kill the principal? Other than bumping up the body count, there's this line that Randy says that motives are incidental there's a point where you don't need motive for killing people they're just up in the body count mm. Tatum is killed because I don't know Stu just didn't want to continue dating her it's quite gruesome that's one of the criticisms you can have with Scream is that the kills aren't exactly the most memorable of slasher films because the majority of the time they just stab people that's it apart from her yeah, apart from her and the actual killings of Billy and Stu. Yeah. One TV getting dropped on his head. And this was a big 90s TV. They were heavy. Mm. And Billy, when they subvert the whole killer coming back to life by double tapping him. Who killed it? Um, oh, Gail shoots him first. Sydney shoots him in the head before he gets up again. Mm. He he lunges. No, yeah, Gail the reporter shot. does. Yes, Gail. She did the first shot, didn't she? And then no, I think she did the last shot. No, oh, whatever. But they subvert it. He doesn't come back for one last mm. kill. They kill him before him. The whole film is basically they're subverting the cliches, but also while they're saying they're subverting the cliches, they are still embracing the cliches because they have to have one last scare. And instead of the killer coming back to life, it's her dad, still tied up, bursting mm. through a door. But Getting back to Tatum's death, yes, it is the most gruesome, it is the most memorable, but it is, 25 years later, kind of stupid. Because she's trying to escape the killer <laughs> by crawling like through a... Dog flap or cat flap. Yeah. I think it's a dog flap because yeah, it's, it's quite flap. big. And while that's happening, because it's attached to a... Um, a garage door. The, gar- garage door. Yeah, the moving ones. Yeah, it... It drags it drags rises up slowly. And she's struggling away. Yeah. Where she could just pull herself back out of the hole. Well, you say this, but I think it was a bit difficult for her to get through because of her boobs. What she's so big breasted she got stuck. (laughs) Yeah, so she spent a lot of time wiggling through, finally got through, and then has now got to try and get back the other way. It was difficult and then not having her feet on the ground it's not like it's 20 feet up in the air get some bit of friction burn on your boobs to save your life i don't know <laughs> right but, okay. whatever the case she's getting dragged slowly up the ground until she gets right on what is it right up to the 
motor, mm. and then uh, her neck gets crushed or something. Yeah. And she's dead. And her body's left there. Dangling. So, yes, the most memorable death because, unfortunately for this entire franchise, Ghostface doesn't really have the most memorable deaths no. compared to these other franchises. Where am I? We're talking about the, the final night at the moment. Well, we're talking about killers and their kills. Well, this is the final night that we're talking about. So we might as well continue and then go back. Because it naturally flowed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, yes, in the third act, the final night... Billy and Stu reveal they're the killers, and they go complete psycho. Yeah, that summarises it. <laughs> they're so over the top, you've got to love it, because literally Matthew Lillard and Skeet Urich chewing the scenery in this part. It's as if Wes Craven gave them like, complete free licence to go over the top. And it's great, because of course, there's always that reveal who the killer is. I guess they know now. They know after over a decade of these terrible 80s slasher films, if you don't pull this part off right, it just falls flat. And so they just went, just go for it, go crazy. So this final house party sequence, which basically covers the entire third act, was shot 21 nights from sunset to sunrise. Fun. Fun for the cast, I guess. Oh. And the crew wore t-shirts that said, I survived scene 118 which they dubbed the longest night in horror history. <laughs> God, could you imagine? And we complain about our jobs, but they have, to, they have to work nights, this entire sequence. Could you imagine? Basically, everything that happens in this scene. God, it's loads. Tatum gets murdered. Jamie Kennedy's Randy's. And a bunch of other stoners are watching Halloween. Mm -hmm. Got the killer While reveal. While stuff is happening around in the background, yeah. Yeah, and then you got Gail and Dewey. Dewey? Dewey. Dewey, thank you. They're <laughs> Dewey. <laughs> just convolutely, oh, we got to get Dewey, who has the gun, out of the picture, so he takes Gail for a midnight stroll. To go and find the car. Yeah, whose car was it? Um, Her dad's car. Her dad's car, which has been stashed. Sydney's dad's car. Yeah, okay. And, so, and then they stumble and find it, and he's shocked that he's found it. I'm like, okay, maybe you want to run back to the house now? He comes back and you think, oh yeah, he's got the gun, he's going to save the day, but it kind of it does the whole shining bit where the black guy comes back and you think, oh, he's going to save the day. No, he's been stabbed. Do you know what we have forgotten what? to mention? That throughout all of this, Sydney finally gives in to Billy. You think that... All of Billy's motivation is because his mum left. His dad slept with Sydney's mum. But maybe his entire motivation was blue balls. Well, it just comes across that his entire motivation is trying to sleep with Sydney. That's what he wants to do. That's no, I think that's the topping on the cake. Like, I'm going to kill you, but I'll sleep with you first. Before it's revealed that Billy is a killer, when you see him, it's like, what are his two motivations in each scene? It's either... Oh, I'm trying to sleep with my girlfriend who's not putting out. 
or I'm trying to convince my girlfriend I'm not a killer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not believe me yet? <laughs> yeah. Don't you trust me? And mm-hmm. I know a way of you trusting me, even though we just had sex. I get to pretend I've been stabbed by mm-hmm. the killer. Why bother doing that when you're just going to try to kill her anyway? It's for effect. For the audience. Ghostface could have pulled off his mask, revealed it's Stu, and then they did, They could have do the whole switch roof and going, ah, ha, ha, but I'm also the killer. Which they just end up doing downstairs. And stab each other. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone has seen that in a horror film before. It's comical as well, though. That's the thing. Yeah. You can't take that bit seriously. You think, oh, yeah, they've com- they're completely unhinged. They're completely fruit loopy. But this is funny to watch. One of the reasons, one of the big reasons why Scream is so memorable today is because it was one of the first horror films, one of the first big horror films that has essentially this self-referential critique of the horror genre. It only cost them 15 million to make, which is nothing. I always think that's really funny because it's like it's only 15 million and I'm like, yeah, that could be done with that. Yeah, not not a film though. A lot of people to be paid. Mm. But the film grossed £173 million at the box office. Oh, wow. So obviously this whole self-referential horror film, it was refreshing to see. Problem is, now, all these years later, everyone else has done it. And to me, it comes across as if you're watching an episode of Riverdale. Pretty much every scene, somebody is referencing, like shoehorning in a reference to a horror film in the conversation. People don't talk like this. Not even horror fans, not even cinephiles talk like this in real life. And that's where we get to um, Randy's famous horror rules as well, because he starts listing things off and I'm like, well, we've we've already heard some of these. (laughs) Oh, the famous scene where he's like, there are certain rules. And then, how many rules are there, Sam, in the end? Three. Yeah. So everyone remembers the start of that scene with Randy. He's literally just listing rules that are happening at the party. Okay, what the first two? The first two, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. What the first two? Never have sex. Yeah. Never drink or do drugs. Because this is coinciding with Sydney having sex with Billy upstairs. Yeah. And you think, oh, yes, again... 96 audience, you think, oh, this is refreshing. This is, never seen this before. I like that they're poking fun at the formula. Mm. And then he goes, third rule. Never say, I'll be right back. And you're like, okay, what are the others? And then then there's none. That's it. There's no other rule. You're thinking, there's more rules than that. Oh, they don't really actually cover a lot of rules. No, but that's because (laughs) all the stereotypical cliches have actually been said throughout the film well here's the thing you watch it and they're constantly poking fun at horror films mm-hmm. you got sydney right at the start i think she's actually talking to ghostface on the phone mm. she says she doesn't like scary movies because they're always they always involve a big breasted woman being stalked by a killer who always runs up the stairs when she should run at, out the front door yeah she says moments later she runs up the stairs. Yeah, because she tries the front door, but he's there. Yeah, so they're always poking fun at the cliche, but then they try to subvert it because the second she runs upstairs, she goes on that very primitive internet and types in 911. I don't know how that works. Yeah, no, me neither. 
Before Tatum is killed, they do the sudden cat cliche. We think, oh, what's that noise? The cat runs out. Oh. The double bluff, like, oh, you think it's the killer? Oh, no, it's a cat. And then, <laughs> and then, pussy cat. And then the killer does turn up. So, it's, yeah. Nowadays, if it wasn't as handled as well as this film, you would say it's lazy writing. Mm. Yeah, these horror references in their dialogue are forced. Sydney, who apparently doesn't like horror films, but somehow refers to Woodsboro as the town that dreaded sundown when there's a curfew. Have you seen that film? No. I haven't no. seen that film. And yet someone who doesn't like horror films oh, has... Oh, that's the actual film title. Yeah. The... Oh, okay. No, I definitely haven't. So someone who doesn't like horror films somehow manages to rattle out this reference. Wow. And then all these references to Jamie Lee Curtis doing all these horror films up till 1981. And of course they love to make the point that she didn't get her breasts out until she hit big time with mm. Trading Places. Back then, fine. It worked. It was great. Nice and refreshing. Mm -hmm. Especially all the other slasher films leading up to this point. But now, 25 years later, it hasn't aged well. You say that on quite a lot of different um, horror films, that they don't age well. That's the problem with hindsight. When, because obviously Scream was a massive success, so mm. everyone is going to jump on that and try to capitalise on it. So after this film came out, you had I Know What You Did Last Summer. Which I think I've seen. With um, Jennifer... Cabin in the Woods or something. No, it's um, Jennifer Love, Huge Tits, being chased by a fisherman-like killer with a hook. And it's got um, Freddie Prince Jr. in it. And is that... And someone from um, Buffy. Sarah Michelle Gellar is in the first one, I think, yeah. And with um, Reese Witherspoon's his ex. John Philippe, whatever his name is. Oh, and speaking of Reese Witherspoon, she was offered the role of Sydney, but she didn't want to star in a horrible horror film. Oh, I'm thinking of the wrong person. I think I have seen this, though. It's not great. I've seen this. So that's one point. That's the point I'm trying to make. Scream was a massive success. Everyone tried to cash in on it. And then you had Halloween H2O, which is essentially the Halloween for the Scream generation. You get this sexy, young, fresh-faced teen cast who are played by 20-somethings. Teens are always played by 20-somethings. In the 90s they are, it. yes. <laughs> and Josh Hartnell still hasn't forgiven them for giving him that shitty haircut in that film, but it's essentially Halloween. But if you've seen Scream, come watch this film. But obviously, Halloween, the original, played a major part in this film. It even plays in the background throughout this entire third act. Mm -hmm. And they even use the soundtrack while Ghostface is hunting and killing. Which is a nice touch, I like it. Yeah. It adds to it. And speaking of the third act, in the end, Sydney turns the tables on the killers. She plays games on them. They're pretty much bleeding out because they stabbed well, each other. Yep. As you do, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> One of them stabbed the other a little bit too much. <laughs> she finds the time of hiding and putting on the costume and using the voice box, which, that could have gone badly. She could have been accused of being a killer, and that would have been a nice twist ending. Yep. Could have worked. Surprised they haven't done that in the sequels. But, yeah, turns out Gail's alive. She shoots one of them. Dewey is alive, although injured. Because technically, Sydney isn't a final girl. 
Well, she is, but in terms of horror rules, she's not because she lost her virginity. Right. Because someone made that a rule, apparently. Oh, and Randy's alive. What? Final girls can only be virgins? Uh, that's what they say in this as well. They draw attention to it. Like, technically, you can't be a final girl because you're no longer a virgin or something. Or you can no longer be the virginal final girl because you had sex with Billy. So, and technically, she's not because there's other survivors. Sydney's dad's alive. Sydney's alive. Gail's alive. Gail's alive. Randy. Dewey's alive. I'm thinking about who's in the sequel. As they love to draw attention to the fact... Everybody loves a cliché. For once, or at least they allow us to believe, the clichés are intentional. I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to believe that's the case. (laughs) Okay, women fall over while being chased. Yeah. I, I seen... mean, everyone falls over oh, whilst yeah. being yes. chased. Oh, yeah, yes, thank you. I was going to say, well, Ghostface falls over a lot. Yeah, they all do. Drew Barrymore definitely fell over. The car never starts. I The keys weren't in the car. Did that actually, was that actually in it? The killer, whoever it was, had taken the yes. keys out yeah. when Sydney got into the car. Because I was thinking of the sequel, when they've knocked out Ghostface. Mm. That's in the car as well. Yes, the gang split up. Yes, definitely. Literally. Throughout the entire party. Literally, Dewey and Gail go for a midnight stroll. Yeah. Randy stays on the sofa watching Halloween. Tatum is like, well. She um, goes to get beers, right? Yeah, she goes to get beers. That's because Thing Me Bob tells her to, though. Oh, and then. Go um, get me a beer, darling. And then, well, I don't think he's British. No, I know. Go I get just... me a beer, darling. <laughs> I don't know. Why I said it like that. It's not the Vic, it's not EastEnders. <laughs> it's not Daddy Dyer. Anyway. And um, Sydney's getting laid. Uh, yes, betrayed by one little sound. Mm-hmm. They don't lock the doors. Hmm. Ignoring the elders' warning. No. No. I no. mean, there's not a lot of elders, is there? It's a young cast. Yeah. You've got Sydney's dad, barely in it, and you've got the principal. Mm-hmm. Who's barely in it and gets killed? My my favourite one didn't actually happen. Actually, the lights. They had lights on. Yeah, it's quite a bright half. Yeah, I was like, I'm not. I'm not actually getting scared in this one because the lights are on. <laughs> I kept thinking, like, it's not freaking me out. But oh, it's you, very well lit. You film. still got the <laughs> slut, the jock, the nerd, the virgin. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. A film so self-referential as this, you're going to have those stereotype characters. It's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. The police arrive too late. Because Dewey comes in too late. Yeah, he gets stabbed. Yeah. But the rest don't turn until the end. Mm-hmm. Sex is a death sentence, so is drugs. They've referenced that in the film. Yep. Yeah. Can't say investigating in the dark. Apart from Dewey and Gail going off to find the car. It seems to be a really brightly lit... Lane in the countryside, though. Apart from in the bushes. In the bushes. <laughs> Where they tumble. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yes, someone hides upstairs. They mention it. Killer in the back seat. Yeah, because he, he has the keys to the car, don't he? You can see the um, boot opening up and he crawls in. Does he crawl in? I, I so. thought he just opened the boot and then he went round oh, to the other side okay. to freak her out. But then she escapes through the boot, doesn't she? She crawls through the little oh, space. Okay. Fine. 
So that was the cliches. There's plenty of. Cliches. <laughs> I thought you were gonna fart then. No, I'm not gonna. You fart. made this face and started to kind of like. What? Cook my backside. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Oh, I smell like broccoli. But you've had no broccoli. <laughs> oh no. Speaking of things that scare you, Sam. Your farts. <laughs> Yeah, so there was like a couple of bits. They didn't scare me, but they put me on edge. All sections involved Sydney, unfortunately. Um, so one being her looking out of the window. She was on the sofa all alone in the house and she looked out the window that was completely dark outside. I just assumed there would be a face like popping out or something. You know me, I hate the dark. Um, and then the other bit, I think this was made, maybe on the same night, she was again alone in the house and she's gone to investigate out on the porch and she's got a very big porch because it goes round the entire house, I think, but she steps out, leaves the front door open, she looks to the right, looks to the left and then goes round the right hand side corner and I'm like... Either someone's going to jump out on her or as soon as then that didn't happen, I was like, well, well, what have you done? You've let them inside. Yeah, you visibly got all edgy with that scene. Yeah. But again, in hindsight, two of your classmates have just been killed and you're going outside and leaving the door wide open. There's a killer on the loose. Why are you doing this? Just and, lock the door and phone the yeah, police. And don't say it's because they're teenagers, they don't know any better. I think you're going to be even more on edge and defensive. Yes, yeah, especially as your mum was also Yeah, thank you. The year before. Yeah, so you're not going to act so naive. Mm. But, of course, they're in a horror movie. They have to act a little bit stupid. Mm-hmm. So, that was Scream. As people like to say, it is the horror movie fans horror film. Still holds up. All these other ones are still pretenders. They can't compare to the original. And it's going to be interesting to see how Radio Silence, who are making Scream 5, mm-hmm. or just called... Scream. I have yeah. high hopes because they did Ready or Not. Mm, okay. It's the reason why they got this geek in the first place. Oh. And I love Ready or Not. When I watch Scream, I get the same enjoyment I do when watching Ready or Not. It seems to have that similar kind mm. of tongue-in-cheek vibe to it doesn't take itself too seriously a lot of <laughs> fun memorable characters <laughs> well yeah just say that one again oh my god i'm so achy sitting here I need to move well wrapping it up now it's fine <laughs> so that's scream it's a classic. You can call it a classic now because it's, what, 25 years old or older. God, we are old. Or we're getting old. You're old. I am. I'm s- well, younger. Younger? Yeah. Let's go with that. I, in- I would still... I would say if you haven't seen this one, do watch it. And I should add, I was nine when this film came out, but I guess now that does mean I'm old. Kind of annoying. And... It's actually been certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. 
tomato meter. How does that make it fresh? Yeah, well, you've put here, fresh. I know, but how does it make it fresh? I don't understand it. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand how they... It's like a newer film is, it has to have a massive high percentage rate to be fresh. But if it's classed as a classic, it's like fresh by the principle. Audience, well, the audience score was also 79%. If this was Mario Party, they would get a few extra coins. <laughs> yes, they would. So Scream, what did you think? Did you like it? I'm sure you like it because if you're a horror person, horror person... If you're a horror fan and you'll clearly listen to this podcast, you must love Scream. Or maybe you just love me. Or James. Okay, big head. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, yeah, of course, because you've got a podcast named after you. So you've been watching Scary and Sam. We have been Where your hosts. It's host. all about me. <laughs> it's really not. James regurgitates lots of horror info. And I sit here like... What? Yeah. Okay. But if you get really scared, you get invested. So. But also, then don't write lots of notes because I'm scared. Yes, but you react on an emotional level. Anyway. Yes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ScaringSamPod. You can contact us at ScaringSamPod at gmail.com. That's it, isn't it? Hello. Uh. So, you've been listening to Scaring Sam. My name's Sam. I'm James. Stay safe out there. Stay safe out there. Oh dear.